So I remember when I got saved about 19 years ago. And when I say saved, I just want to bring some clarity to that. Saved means, <clears throat> if you ask me, I believe in God, right? There's got to be a God. There's got to be someone <clears throat> who made all this. This can't be an accident. I see love. I see family. I see design. I see all these things, and I say to myself, there has to be a God. <clears throat> if you asked me that, I would have said that. I had been to church a few times. My mother brought me in Sunday school. I heard about the cross. I sung a few songs, only the ones I liked, though. On Easter, I was there, because that's a serious day, right? You've got to get everyone else out of the house on Easter just to make it official. But I hadn't been changed inwardly. I hadn't been born again. It wasn't alive to me in the way that when I felt like praying, and when I was praying, I felt like God was hearing me. You know, that shook me again today. I'm praying, I'm like, wow, I really feel like God's hearing me. It wasn't personal. It wasn't missional. When I woke up, my purpose was not to make the gospel known, advance the gospel. I was acting just like the world that didn't know the gospel. I was running around like a hamster in a wheel, just trying to make money, trying to make friends, getting wrong with drama. Who's bothering me? Who's breaking up with me? Who's doing this? Who's doing that? How can I keep my mask on? How can I? I was acting like I didn't know God because I didn't know God. But something happened to me on Halloween night. I didn't know it was Reformation Day, but it was the day I got reformed. I thought I was just going to follow Jesus because I thought there were good people in church. So I said, I got to be around a good community. There's good people there. I thought I was going to follow Jesus because, man, I can find a good job through good people, right? It all flows. I didn't know on Halloween night that when they gave that altar call, I get on my knees in front of people. That was crazy talk. You understand me? I was too machismo to do these things. My ego, this sanctuary couldn't contain my ego. I found myself on my knees crying out to God. And only crying out to God, I felt his presence and my life changed forever. I'd laugh at myself. I'd go home and say, this can't be real. I mean, because I'd be telling people about Jesus and I'd have that moment where I said, I'm bugging myself out. You ever have that moment? I say, this is me. <laughs> I'm like, you gotta follow Jesus. And I'm thinking, who's saying this? These words coming out of my mouth. But I also remember, and this is why I tell you this story. I remember being in a small little car, worship music on the radio. And I hadn't cried for so many years that all my emotions started coming out when Jesus began to heal me. Anyone had that experience? When you go a decade, just stone cold, like, I don't give a what. Then all of a sudden, Jesus starts changing your heart. You're just trying to cry on the right high so people don't see you on the left. That's the move when you're watching the movies. I'm telling you, sit in the corner, let it come out the right eye. Uh, they know, though. They know. I'm weeping in my car. Not because I'm sad. Not because I'm afraid. But because I cannot believe God's amazing grace and his joy that has changed my life. And there was such a joy I felt in that moment and that season of my life. I prayed this to God. I said, please, don't ever take this feeling away. 
But you know what happens? We go through life. Struggles come, heartache come, letdown come. Our own sin gets in the way. And we begin to say, man, I used to be so excited, so thankful, so energetic for the things of God. But all of a sudden, I got nothing in the tank. Today, you're going to get something in the tank. Because I'm going to remind you about the gospel, and that fuels up the tank. How is your joy restored? How can you run on the gospel every day? Shouldn't this gospel get old? No. It never gets old. In eternity, you're still going to be rejoicing over the gospel of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> some of you, some of us, <coughs> have not learned the gospel correctly. Religion to you is if I'm just good enough, if I just make so many Sundays, if I just give that dollar to that person I don't want to give that dollar to, if I just stop watching that thing I shouldn't watch, then God's going to love me. If I can only get there, then God will love me. And some of that's been ingrained in us through our families and through brokenness and through abandonment where we just don't know. We just feel like God's always left us. Like, there it is. I finally did that thing where God no longer loves me. There it is. I finally thought that thought where I can no longer be a child of God. I'm here to tell you that's all a lie. Because religion tells you what you have to do to be in favor with God. The gospel tells you what Jesus has done so you could be in favor with God. Amen? That's the gospel. Are you kidding me? There's no way any of us could stand before God and give our list of good works and think that we're going through the pearly gates. There's no way where we could give our list of merits and feel that somehow you are more favored than someone else because you clean your house better or do this better or love someone better or do this or that or pray more or go to church more or you're there at the prayer vigil. That doesn't make you more in favor with God. That makes you experience God more and advance the gospel more. But that doesn't change your standing with God. Your standing was set when you put your faith in Jesus. It's done. It's absolutely finished. What did Jesus cry from the cross? It is finished. We need to hear that all the time. I'm not going to sin my way out of favor with God today. Because if I could have, we would have. Can I get an amen? Every one of us, including your pastor, would have sinned our way out of salvation if it was based on our works. Jesus is not basing his glory if we're acting good enough. Because if it was based on that, there would be no glory for God. He bases it on the work of his son. And let me tell you this. I'm not telling you guys to go out and do whatever you want. Because if you're truly following Jesus, God's living in you, you're going to change. If you truly love God, you're going to change. But let me tell you something. It's not going to be overnight. People put these expectations on people that no one can meet. They're following Jesus. Why are they dressed like that? I'm insulted. You see my button up? No tattoos. No tattoos. Everyone here has a tattoo, I feel like. So that didn't apply to us. We base the gospel on what we deem worthy. That person has to be worthy enough of my convictions for me to identify them as a Christian. That's not the gospel. The gospel is God saves who he wishes. 
He saves who he elects. He saves who he chooses. And we can't say who's he going to save or not. Amen? Some of us are knocking people out of the kingdom of God. They're not good enough for me. That's crazy talk. None of us are good enough for Jesus. Only reason we find favor with God is because Jesus died so we could be in favor with God the Father. Hear that. Some of you just, it needs to, it's totally backwards. Totally backwards. And you're going to be going in a circle and feeling condemnation. But what we're going to do is move forward in grace. So there's three things I want you to hear for your joy of your salvation to be restored today. Will you turn with me first to Psalm 51? A lot of new faces here today. I love it. I love it. And I'll give you the context of this psalm so some of us can relate here. This is the word of God. Let's listen to it. Let's let it sink in. It says, have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in the truth in my inward being and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise, for you will not delight in sacrifice or I will give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in right sacrifices and burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings then bulls will be offered before your altar. Do you guys know why David wrote that psalm? Do you know what was going on in his life at that time? Now let me premise this with, this is a man that said to have a heart after God. David had just committed adultery. He had just got the woman pregnant, and he had just, in a very sneaky way, had her husband murdered. And he doesn't immediately repent of your sin, of his sin. A prophet comes to him after a year. And I want some of us to hear that today. Because some of us have been let sin sit for way too long in our life. And the first step to restoring your salvation is that you confront that sin, repent of that sin, and leave that sin behind and follow Jesus. A relationship can't be healthy when sin isn't repented of. 
There will be no joy in your relationship. You ever been in a marriage when no one will repent to each other and people are just walking around stone cold? And there's a fight over the sandwich, but it's not over the sandwich. There's a fight over the cereal, but it's not over the cereal. And you wonder why. Why did I just leave my house because you didn't get Cheerios? It wasn't about Cheerios. It was the fact that you guys haven't repented about sin to each other that needed to be there. Believe me, me and Natalie go through it too because you have two sinners. You get in an argument, you both accuse each other of being selfish, and you're both right. And you both got to repent to each other and apologize and allow the grace of God to come. But David had let the sin go so long as the king, and Nathan came to him and told him this story, the prophet Nathan. He said, David, I need your help with this. There was a man who had one lamb, one lamb. He loved this lamb. This lamb was like, for all you dog lovers out there, imagine your dog. You love this dog. You get the vitamin D in your dog's treats. You got the perfect leash, the perfect part. This dog is like a kid. This guy had this lamb. He had one lamb. He loved this lamb, kept this lamb, cherished this lamb. One day there was a rich man who had many sheep, more than you could even count. He saw that man with one lamb, and he took that lamb, and he killed that lamb to make a dinner for his guests so he didn't have to use his lambs. He said, David, what should we do to that man? Because that's kind of heinous. What should we do to that man? David gets outraged. He said, that man should be put to death. I mean, I think it's a little too serious a sheep, you know, but you got to love the pets. David's to death. He's fired up. And Nathan looks at him and he says, David, that man is you. Now, we get fired up over other people's sin, right? Everyone's mad at everyone else's sin. I can't believe them. Year after year, what I do for them and this. I don't know where this stuff comes from, I swear. Life. What David had done is he had been on the roof in his palace as king. He was walking the roof and he looked on the rooftop and he, he began to watch pornography. There was a woman bathing, nude. And he watched her and she wasn't his wife. Now David, back in the day, do you know how many wives this brother had? It shows you man's heart. We're messed up. 600 wives, he wasn't happy. Come on now, it's a heart issue. David had 600 wives. Jesus cleared that up. He narrowed us down to one. We're moving on. 600 wives. He looked at Bathsheba was her name and says, I want her, even though she's another man's wife. He had her called to his palace. She got pregnant. Instead of confessing his sin and repenting, he had Uriah, her husband, put on the front line of the army so that he would be killed. Okay? He was able, with all that heinous sin, after a year, to function. Your joy will be ruined if you don't confront your sin. If you can function like that, you need to be asking yourself some serious questions if you're able to be in habitual sin with non-repentance. But let me tell you where the joy comes. Nathan confronts and says, it's you who did this in your life. David fell to his knees and he grieved and he mourned and he said, God, forgive me. My sins are horrible. I am horrible. Wash me, blot out my transgressions, creating me a clean heart. I'm not worthy. It's so bad that when I was born, I was born in sin. That's where you're going to stand. 
This whole we're good people at heart, that's Hollywood and that's not in the Bible. People are not good. Look at history. Look at philosophy. Look at theology. Look at your family. People are messed up. That's what the Bible says. It says the only hope for goodness in this world is if the Holy Spirit is living inside the people of God and changing them and making them more like Jesus. And David recognized. He didn't say I'm partially a sin. I'm really good. That's not me. He said I'm filthy, God. I'm absolutely filthy. Would you wash me clean? How many of us need to say that for the joy of our salvation to come back in our life? We needed more hands than that. Maybe you raised it in your heart. It is freeing when you have a godly grief for your sin. People always, I saw an interview on TV. They were interviewing a pastor and it was a famous guy and he was like, so you think this is sin? And he said, yeah, it's sin. The Bible says it's sin. He said, so you're calling your congregation sinners? He said, yeah. One of the most freeing things you ever hear is that you're a sinner by nature and by choice. And if you try to live as though you're not a sinner by nature, by choice, you're not going to understand yourself. You're not going to understand why you're having the thoughts you're having or the intentions you're having or all these kind of sinful things keep coming up in your life. You need to know, yes, you are a sinner, but God's grace is greater and he will change you. You know, we need to teach this to our children. Our children need to know that they're going to battle their sinful nature every day of their life. That is a fight every day, the flesh versus the spirit. And they need to know that the fight for joy is to walk in the spirit. So David falls to his knees. He repents. And he has a godly repentance. Has anyone ever had a godly repentance where finally your life changes in that area that you've been working to change for a decade? There is nothing more freeing than that. Some of you have heard the lie that you're never going to change in a certain area that's sinful against God. And that's why you're still there. If you believe that God can change you through the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit, you will see so much joy in your life. There's things I never thought I would change, but that God changed in me. And I walk in such freedom in those areas that I can't even recognize recognize myself 10 years ago. Please hear that, guys. Um, Because the gospel does that. So I had, um, when you buy your house, you know how they tell you everything's okay just because they want to sell the house? You're like, how can everything be this awesome? That's what preachers are. They tell you that awesome. They tell you the things that are wrong with the house. Bad preachers. They signed everything. We bought a house. Everything looked great. Little did I know there was a manhole on the side of my house that overflowed with storage every two years. I wanted that memo. I wanted that memo on my first house. They were like, no complaints. Everything's awesome. Next thing I know, my neighbor's knocking on my door. He's like, well, there's storage running into my driveway. <coughs> I said, awesome. This is fantastic. <coughs> what the people had done is they had lied, and it had been happening on every person who bought the house in the past 30 years. And the people from the DPW walked up to my door, knocked on the door, and said, listen, you're going to have to have them dig up your yard. They're going to have to cut a joint out because the, the, we, the, um, the roots are growing into your pipe, and they're causing all the storage to back up so it's overflowing. I know five contractors. Here much, how much it's going to cost, roughly $10,000. I was like, moving on. All of a sudden, I, listen, I'm in ministry. I don't have $10,000 saved anywhere. I'm like, I'm at work. I'm thinking, where am I going to get $10,000 from? 
I'm thinking, I don't have the money for this. What could I do on the side? All these things. I was thinking, how can I pay this debt? How can I work this up to make this better for my family? I thought I had this huge debt to pay that I couldn't pay. Then a plumber that I know changed my life. He gave me a bucket, a $20 root destroyer. I said, bro, this is going to change your life, man. You put it in your toilet, dump it in there, you flush it down, and it takes out all the roots. I'd say that's big savings, right? $10,000 or $20, that's big savings. Why I want you to hear that is because some of us in our life, you hear the pastor up here saying, you've got to change. And you're saying, there's no way I can do this. You don't understand how messed up I am. You don't understand how long I've been trying. You don't understand all these things. I can't do it. And you want me to hear what I have to say to you? I agree with you. You can't do it. But the gospel of Jesus Christ in you can do it. That could be poured into your life and destroy all those roots of sin, all those habits, all those strongholds, and absolutely change you so you have absolute joy. You know when I got that news that I didn't have to spend $10,000? I was skipping around the house. I was like, my life's good. You know how good my life is. Like, you know, when you realize that you don't have to work for your salvation, some of you think you've got to go home and change this habit or stop watching the show for God to love you, and that's why you're never going to be able to be happy or joyful. I want to free you from that. And it's easy to fall into. I've fallen into it. I fell in the past two weeks where I was miserable. I'm like, I've got to be so perfect. And I'm like going through all these things. And I'm talking little conscience stuff, getting legalistic on myself, all these kind of things. And finally, midweek, I said to myself, this is ridiculous. This is absolute. The enemy is actually using legalism to destroy my life. He's using legalism to destroy my life so I can't even enjoy the gospel. And I want to tell you this, guys. A lot of you, legalism is destroying your life. And you need the freedom of the gospel of grace so you can have joy again. The same joy that some of you felt when your candidate won on Tuesday night. How happy were some of you? You won't tell it because all Trump supporters are undercover. <laughs> right? Undercover Trump supporters. I've never had so many people mad at me when I said, I don't even want to go there. I'm moving on. But when I, I hate to post political things and finally people ask me to post something political, I hate it. I did it. And I could feel there were so many people mad at me. And I'm like, everyone asked me to do it. And I didn't even say it a vote for anyone. I said, this is my conscience. There's two candidates. This is that conscience. I said, do what your conscience tells you. This is where I stand. Bunch of people undercover mad. They no longer have a joy in our relationship that we once had. But, hey, that's my calling. I'll take the hits. The joy of our salvation is overwhelmed when we receive the mercy of God. So you guys hear those points so far? When we confront our sin, when we receive the mercy of God, and when we teach others about the mercy of God. See, most churches teach you that I'm going to get so good at this Christianity thing that I'm going to teach other people how to be so good at it. (coughs) That's not what David is saying here. David just wrote this of the worst sins of his life. He's saying, this is how you teach other people the ways of God. You teach them how merciful and gracious God is. You say, I am so messed up. 
and God still loves me and shows me grace every day and you don't understand what he's done in my life and his mercy is for you too. Not, listen, if you go on a three-year run not watching Netflix, you're gonna be so holy. Right? We're selling that stuff in the streets. Listen, if you only listen to country music, your spiritual life, I can't even explain to you what's gonna do. We get all these legalistic things that have nothing to do with the gospel. What we need to teach, David said, let me have mercy on me so I can teach transgression away. Have mercy on my sin because I'm so disgusting that when I tell other disgusting people that you're that merciful, they're going to be changed forever. That's the gospel. I can feel people when I'm a pastor and I tell them that I struggle with things and I'm growing in these things and I got discouraged. And this night I'm saying, you're a pastor, you're not supposed to. What are you talking about? This is King David. He said, wash me clean. We teach transgressors the ways of God when we are constantly telling them about the mercy of God. Who have you told about the mercy of God lately? Let me tell you, that's the best news you can ever tell somebody. I had one of the best weeks of my life pastoring this week. Know why? Because I spent it with a bunch of people, lunch, dinner, who they were just telling how much God has done in their life. And I sat back and I testified and said, God is so merciful. God has shown you so much grace. I said over and over again, I saw God's grace in people's lives. And I saw people's joy renewed. I'm going to give you a few application points and then we're going to close. <clears throat> what is David's prayer? It's created me a clean heart, oh God. I want to ask you, Is your heart polluted by things that are taking away your joy? And I want to ask you today to give them to Jesus so the joy of your salvation can be restored. What is holding you back from being joyful? And I want to give you this story. So I mean, and I think Natalie's fine with it too. Because I confess this stuff. If not, I'll find out after church. How many realize if you're in a marriage, you're going to get in disagreements? And the people that don't get in disagreements aren't being honest with each other and don't know each other. So me and Natalie had a disagreement. Of course, both of our conclusions, like I said, were you're selfish. No, you're selfish. No, you're thinking of yourself. No, you're thinking of yourself. You know, so we got these conclusions. And I did what any husband would do when that happens. I'm going to the couch as if it's a threat. I realized that they must be like, how stupid is this dude? I got the whole bed. <laughs> and we're out there like, I'm told her. And we're on the couch. Just, just, a little, just a little observation that makes no sense in my world. So I'm all on the couch making my stand. Natalie comes out to apologize because she should have. I apologize too. But I'm not a person that process is, I'm sorry, quick. Like, I don't know if I'm making the person pay or I just need to let it all settle in. I just don't, I don't process I'm sorry. I'm like, okay, I forgive you, but I need 20 minutes. I need 20 minutes to let everything simmer down. If I did not accept her apology, if we both hadn't come to each other and said, please forgive me, then we would have not experienced the joy of our relationship together. And in that moment, in your mind, I'm telling you, everyone feels this. You're like, I can't stand this person anymore. I'm done. I can't stand this person. 
this is my main person. I can't stand them. I really, in my mind, I'm a pastor, I'm a sinner, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, enough's enough, really. I wasn't going anywhere, but in that moment, I was working through some stuff. Imagine I let that go on for a year and I held that in. Our relationship would have no joy. But you know what happened when we repented to each other? I've enjoyed my wife so much this week, so much. I remembered all the reasons I love her and I care for her and I'm thankful for her. And if we don't get away from those things that are hindering our joy, we won't experience the grace of God. Some of us have allowed that to happen. We've forgotten how good God is to us. We've forgotten how much he's changed us. We've forgotten how good the gospel is. And it's hindered our joy. We're saying to ourselves, I'm not excited about being in church anymore. I'm not excited about Christianity. I'm not excited about that. I'm telling you, the major reason is that we need to get those things out of the way. And when you get those things out of the way, you're going to experience a joy like you've never experienced. And final thing. If anyone hasn't put their faith in Jesus Christ today, there's no way you can experience the joy of God. What did we read today? For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If you don't believe in Jesus, you will receive condemnation. If you believe in Jesus, you will receive life. If the Holy Spirit has been pulling on some of your hearts today to finally surrender, this is the word I want to use, to finally surrender your life to Jesus Christ, would you please do it today? Would you please do it today? It's all grace. It's a gift. I'm telling you right now, you take one step of faith, God takes 30 steps of grace. It's that unbelievable. And for some of you, God keeps drawing you over and over again to this place. And you haven't fully submitted your hearts to Jesus. And today is the day to submit your heart to Jesus. Now, what we're going to do with that, if that's happened with you today, if today the light bulb went off and you said, I get it, I get it. Not only I get it, I'm willing to surrender. Pastor Dave's going to be in the back um, during our worship for anyone who's given their life to Jesus today to pray with you, to give you some guidance. Also, if anyone's going through a struggle that is so bad and you're hurting and you just need prayer and you're struggling, Pastor Dave's going to be in the back He'll lay hands on you or pray with anyone who's struggling during our worship time today. We just want to open that up to the body of Christ today. It's going to be after communion, so you can wait to after communion. But please, today's the day of salvation. Put your faith in Jesus today. Receive that joy that's only in Christ. Let's pray.